day, guys. Back here live in the studio for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Back in here once again for the second time this week. Today is Wednesday, October 28th, 2020. I am joined once again by none other than Cohen Hughes. Cohen, say what's up to everybody. What up to the people? We are in here in the stew, ready to talk some NBA. Um, if you didn't get enough of the NBA in the bubble, we got some more coming at you. And the season may be closer than you think. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Season is coming around the corner here soon. You guys know we had to come in and do an NBA podcast. It's been a while since I've talked about NBA. It's been all football and baseball lately. But like Cohen said, on Friday, the NBA will be voting on whether or not they're going to start the season out on Christmas Day or that week of Christmas or if they're going to start MLK Day weekend. Um, Cohen, which one do you think they should go with and what do you think they should do here? Personally, uh, I hate – all options i like the traditional starting october 16th and then kind of carry it through through the end of march for the regular season and then um do the playoffs during the summer but that's not really an option because we started so late or we resumed so late this this year with covid and all the shutdown and everything um in, a, in an ideal world, what I would want is them to wait until until next October to start again, but that's not feasible. They're not going to wait 12 months without NBA basketball. So if I had to pick one, I would pick a start on the December 22nd, which is what they're kind of aiming as a start date for the NBA season. That way um, they can get Christmas, and you and I both know that we love NBA on Christmas Day. That, that's one of our holidays. And for a lot of people, that's when a lot of people just start watching the NBA during a regular season. They can, you know, kind of scrap the first two months of, of the NBA season and they can start taking it seriously during Christmas. So if I had to pick, I don't like either of these two options, MLK Day or the week of Christmas. But if I did have to pick, let's go ahead and do the week of Christmas. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that one, Cohen. I'd rather start on the week of Christmas. I mean, Christmas Day, like you said, man, for the NBA, I mean, that's just – a huge holiday i love there's nothing i love more man than watching me some christmas day nba action um, especially for gamblers like it's like they have the four day the four games back to back to back to back they don't really start when either of them are going they do a good job of you know kind of rationing the nba games out i love gambling on christmas day yeah i mean there's nothing better you know you sit up there spend time with the family and then you get a little time to yourself to uh watch some basketball actually um there is an nfl game on christmas this year is vikings yes. and saints play at 4 30 so worst case scenario that's the only sporting event we have i pray to god that's not the case honestly i've been seeing a lot of pushback i mean i saw danny green was saying that players will sit out if they start then but my comeback to that would be who cares what you want danny you're trash anyway can't even hit a wide open three-pointer um, I don't know that that's going to be the case, um, especially because you got to think that if they're going to kind of try to get the, the NBA season back reset to the right timetable, they're, they're going to want to end by about the middle of June, end of June. So if you wanted to get the NBA season playoffs and all done by then, you would have to start, honestly, as early as possible. Um it depends on whether or not we're going to get the full 82 games or kind of like a 60 game kind of hybrid. I would want, of course, the whole the whole 82, but it doesn't seem very likely at this point. Yeah, um, I'm with you on that one. I mean, I'm, I don't really care about them throwing some games out the window or whatever. I just want them to stay on the timeline to make sure that they're able to play when we it want comes time next for the Olympics. To be as regular as possible. Now, I don't yeah. really care about this season or the bubble or whatever else. I want after we get through with all this craziness, not trying to get political or anything else, but whenever we exit the COVID era, I would like for everything to resume as normal as possible. 
Hey, I think you said it better than I could even say there, Cohen. I want to get things back on track ASAP and get everything going. Very excited for the draft and everything. I'm going to wait to speculate and kind of do draft and free agency stuff once they actually announce the official dates for it. I'm going to wait a little bit longer before we start all this speculating of what's going to happen. You know, I feel like that there's a lot more mystery until that, that is released. Um, what should we hit on next, Cohen? Should we go to new hires? Should we go? So to, let's uh, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about about the upcoming season that is around the corner, a little bit closer than we think. Um, I don't think that they're going to do a bubble, but would you would you sign on to another bubble in, in in Orlando for the NBA season whenever it does you know start again here in about a month or so? No, I mean I think that MLB and NFL have proved that we don't need a bubble for everything. I mean. I personally, I mean, I like the bubble for what it was worth. It was nice having it and everything, getting all those games in. But, I mean, to be honest with you, I wouldn't even mind having some NBA games played at uh, 12, p- 12 p.m. or 1 p.m. anymore. I, I was a big fan of all that. But, no, honestly, I think that we should be able to have fans in the stands as well as the season goes. Um, I know a couple people who work for the Hawks, and they told me that they're trying to get, like, kind of like some fiberglass, kind of like how they had in the bubble slash for hockey that kind of separate fans a little bit more from the uh, – from the players and they'll probably have to sit players or people higher up in the stands, like definitely no courtside seats and stuff like that. But you know, what do you think? think, uh, What do you think is, is a realistic expectation for number of fans? Because here in Atlanta, we have anywhere, I think from six to 8,000 fans doing the the Falcons games. Um, We've had a lot of large gatherings at Braves games to watch the playoffs, not inside the stadium, of course, but you know, outside the stadium at the bars. Do you think that we, that it's realistic to expect any fans at all? at NBA games for the first NBA game? Um, Yeah, I think that there should. So State Farm Arena holds 21,000 fans. I'd say about 25% capacity for all stadiums will be about what they go with. I mean, typical NBA arena holds anywhere between, I'd say, like 16 to like 25,000, 30,000 fans, somewhere in that range. So I would say that I'd say that allowing 25% of those fans sounds pretty reasonable, you know, five, four to 5,000. Will you be at the first Hawks game? Absolutely. I mean, that's what I'm hoping, man, is to be there for the first game. I think that, let's put it this way, I think we're going to have uh, some exciting changes to the roster this upcoming season, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to be in the house for that one. I almost always go to the season opener. I think I've been to the, last year was the first season opener I missed, but that's just because I wasn't in Atlanta when it was played. Yeah, um, where were you, at Indy? You uh, you were in Indy at that yeah, time? Yeah, I'll, st- I'll still post it up in Indianapolis, so, but I did yep. go to the Pacers home opener instead, so I mean, I still yeah. made it to NBA opening night. You have to. Yeah, I'm not even a Hawks fan, and I've been to the last two or three uh, home openers just because you do like to go to State Farm Arena when it is packed. The Hawks games, when they're packed, are really fun. Mm-hmm. It's the shitty ones when they only have 25% of the people there. That, that is no fun. No, I agree with you completely on that. Usually the weekend games, it's it's packed in. Usually if it's a big team in, in the house on, during the week, it's packed in, but... You know, on those weekend ones where there's not as many people in there, and there's I've, I've been to a, I've been to a Hawks versus Jazz game where it, there was no shit, maybe 500 people there, and it was like a it was it, it was like a Wednesday night, like it wasn't some Tuesday at 12 o'clock. It was like a Wednesday night, and it was as embarrassing as I've ever felt to be a Jazz fan. Yeah, I went to a Hawks in a in um trying to think who it was the Raptors I want to say and there's maybe and honestly the Pacers too back when we were real bad before we even had Trey Young and I mean there was probably like shoot maybe a thousand people in that yeah. arena it's bad yeah all right well um, I guess we can move on to some new hires because we do have a lot of them oh yeah it's been a co- wild coaching carousel so far in the NBA I'm gonna say this I'm not a big fan of many of these hires I don't know about you Cohen but at all. 
Let's go ahead and jump into things with the first guy hired, which was Steve Nash in Brooklyn. Kenny Atkinson out as the head coach. Steve Nash comes in along with Amari Stoudemire as his uh, assistant head coach. What do you think about this hire, Cohen? How do you think it'll work out? This is a hire that I am a fan of. Um, I can't speak to how well it'll work out because Steve Nash has never been a head coach in the NBA before. And even I do, I, I do like the way that he personally runs an offense through himself as a player. I don't know how that's going to sit with guys like Katie and Kyrie and, and, and the band of brothers that they have up there in Brooklyn. Um, I personally, I'm a fan of this hire. I'm just going to reserve judgment to see how it works out to see how well he can juggle these really, really, really big personalities. Yeah, I'm actually not a fan of this hire, to be honest with you. I think that they need to... I wasn't a fan of getting rid of Kenny uh, Kenny Atkinson. I'll I'll say that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So they 150% downgraded at coach to begin with. I thought Kenny Atkinson was one of the better coaches in the league. So that's a product of Mike Budenholzer right there with Atkinson. Um, You know... I just feel like they need someone who's going to come in here and bring, like, you know, who's been a coach before. Like, this reminds me a lot of the Bucks hiring Jason Kidd. They need someone who can bring in structure and everything. Look, Kevin Durant, if he takes over the locker room and is kind of like a player coach like LeBron is, I think he can do a great job with it. I don't know if Kevin Durant's ever proven, though, before that he is a guy like that where he's kind of a player coach and can take over the locker room. Also, too, Kyrie Irving is all over the place with the things he does and says. I mean, I could see him trying to bully Nash around. I just feel like there's too much uncertainty here. I would have gone with someone who's more established to bring in as the head coach. But, I mean, hey, if it works out, and you look like a genius here for bringing in Steve Nash. But I'm not going to lie. I just think that there's too many questions with this. I'm out on this hire with Nash. It's, it, it seems fine and fun in a vacuum and in, 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 in a good on-paper world. But we do know that Kevin Durant and Kyrie aren't the easiest guys to work around and work with. So I like the hire personally, like the the optics of it. But let's hold judgment until we see how these heads clash. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, I just feel like, you know, like if if Kyrie Irving wants to do what Kyrie Irving wants, I mean, how's Steve Nash going to be able to handle this? You know, he's never been a head coach like this. He doesn't know how to keep hold of the locker room and everything. I mean, he was kind of the team leader when he was in Phoenix, but we'll see how much it translates. I just think it's very risky when you have a team like the Nets do. Um, next up, we'll go to the New York Knicks. They fired David Fisdale, which, look, I don't even think it's Fisdale's fault. That team just sucks. The management, ownership, everything's horrible. Tom Thibodeau's in. What do you think about this one, Cohen? Um, I can't even really speak for Tom Thibodeau because he's so hot and cold in some of the roles that he has taken on in the NBA. Um, I guess you could say that I personally kind of do like Tom Thibodeau as a coach because of his expansive experience and because of his actual basketball knowledge. But in terms of the whole hire and everything, uh, I am an even bigger and humongous fan of David Fisdale as a head coach. So you could say that I'm out on this hire because I wanted Fisdale to have another shot. But um, they could have done worse. The Knicks need, kind of needed that stability and that kind of shot in the arm to get everybody kind of on track. And I guess Thibodeau kind of does this, but um, I would have wanted it to be Fisdale. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you on this one, Cohen. I also think the game is kind of passed Thibodeau by. I think his old school, like he's more of a defensive coach. Like he loves those two-way players like Rob Covington, Lou Aldang. Like we saw him run those guys into the ground where he was at. 
And look, he was handed probably one of the most talented teams he's ever been handed. I would argue it's even more talented than those Bulls teams he was handed when he had that uh, that um, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, and Cat team, Jeff Teague, out when he was out with the Timberwolves. I mean, that was a very talented roster stacked up from top to bottom, and he barely even got him in the playoffs as the eight seed. They had to beat the Nuggets last game of the season in order to get that eight seed. Look, I think, like I said, the game's passed by Thibodeau. I think these defensive-minded head coaches, that their playing style and their game style is more of an outdated style of play. I think you got to play fast and be able to score and get stops when you need them at the end of the games. I think you need an offensive game plan more so that's going to, you know, tire out the other team's best players and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like you need a more dynamic offensive game plan. I don't see Thibodeau bringing this to the table when I watch his teams play, especially in Minnesota. Um... I'm I'm out on this one, man. I think it's a whole. The, I, but, the, the Knicks do need as much sta- stabilization and as much discipline as possible, and I think Tom Thibodeau can do a little bit of that. But I think it does start from the top to bottom, and they don't have that anywhere with ownership or or, or GM. So I don't think that this this coach hire will necessarily be the reason that they're bad. But I think they're just bad anyway, and he won't do enough to help it. Yeah, that was exactly what I was about to hit on. Like, I think that the way this organization's run and with Dolan and everything, it's such a clown show. I don't think really anybody in the league hardly could come in there and be successful right now. Also think they have too many young players and they don't have any veteran players who can come in there and take a hold of a locker room and can kind of buy in. See, I feel like they need a coach and they need a veteran player that's going to buy into what they want to do here and change the entire culture of this team. Because right now, I feel like it's still the same sorry losing Knicks culture. I mean... They don't really have the top pick to get the player they want in this draft either. I feel like it's just more of the same in New York. And, I mean, if Thibodeau doesn't succeed there, I don't know if I necessarily blame it on all the reasons I was saying earlier. But a lot of it has to do with the organization. And I just think this organization is screwed until either the team's sold or they bring in some veteran players that actually want to buy in and change the culture. It needs a hard reset button. The team needs to be sold. Dolan's a clown. Get him out of here. That's what I'm saying, man. Dolan, go ahead and sell that team. Get on out of there. They they made um, something. They made Sterling sell the team for a completely different reason, but um, which which is 100% justified. And I was a Clippers fan back then, whenever it did happen. So I can 100% see why. But they the NBA needs to make James Dolan sell this team for penny pinching and for lack of a better term, lack of competitive drive. He's done all he can in the past eight years to make sure the Knicks are nowhere near the playoffs and and to lose but make money on purpose, make him sell the team to get rid of that attitude. Hey, you said it better than I could say it, Cohen, right there. In complete agreeance. Next up, the Chicago Bulls, who hired Jim Bullen a year ago, Boylan a year ago and already kicked him out. Now they come in, hire Billy Donovan. They got lots of young talent on this roster. You in or out on this hire? Um, at first, whenever Billy Donovan was hired as the head coach of the Thunder, I was kind of out on it. Donovan was a guy to me that should have stuck in college and kind of was able to have complete control over the roster and kind of could tell kids what to do. Um, I think the Bulls are a little bit more built like a college team than the Thunder were, so I feel like this is a better fit than it was with the Thunder. Billy Donovan's had his moments of, of, of flash and intelligence, but as a whole, I'm out on this move because I, I, I don't hold Billy Donovan too high as an NBA head coach. Yeah, so I'm actually am in on this move. I think Billy Donovan's a good NBA head coach. I thought he did a great job with this team this year and getting them all to buy in and everything. And the that way was they more played Chris Paul than him, though. Yeah, but I mean, he still did a damn good job with the team, in my opinion. He did a good job, I thought, too, in the Thunder at KD. I thought he did a decent job when they had Paul George. I think Billy Donovan's a good NBA head coach, and I think he's more than proven it. I think he's the right guy to come in here and take a hold of this team and all this talent and use the talent in the right way. I mean, it felt like that Boylan didn't even want Wendell Carter on the floor last year. I expect him to take a lot more advantage of having a guy like the way Carter can play. 
Um, I think the Bulls are in a good position too with their draft pick here. I think he can turn this team around and take them to the playoffs. Honestly, I think the Thunder would have kept him around longer as their head coach, but I feel like the Thunder have kind of said, we got all these draft picks. We've now seen that we have young talent. Let's go ahead. Let's not re-sign Dennis Schroeder. Let's go ahead, trade Chris Paul off, hit the reset button, bring in a guy who's more of a player development guy rather than a win-now guy. I think Billy Donovan will bring the winning edge the Bulls need here, and I think he can get him over the hump and possibly to even get in the playoffs this upcoming season. Is he better than Boylan? Of course, because he's he's coached and won and played in the NBA playoffs before. But um, I don't think he's the, the guy at the end of the day. Um, I don't know. I think he's the guy for Chicago right now. I still think Chicago is going to have another step again, but I think he's the guy to get him over the first stepping stone. And who knows? I think he could be there long-term as well, keep getting him going farther and farther and farther. I think this team's talented. I think they're young. I think they've got a lot of guys I like. Like Kobe White was emerging a ton at the end of the season. Marketing finally got healthy. You know, I think this team's got a lot of good upside for this upcoming season. So I'm going to be ready to see what they do. I think they need to trade for one more, another win now player. I mean, Zach Levine's kind of an empty stats guy at the same time. So, I would not be be shocked to see them kind of make a bit decent trade here. Um, up next is the New Orleans Pelicans, and they fired Alvin Gentry, brought in Stan Van Gundy, and I'll go first on this one. I think this might be the worst, the second worst new hiring out of all these head coaches that got hired. Look, the game is clearly passed by Van Gundy. He didn't do jack shit when he was with the Pistons. I mean, the Pistons had a decent roster, and the East was literally like... It was basically them, the Hornets, and the Heat, who were all so sorry that it was basically like, here, I don't want to make the playoffs, you make the playoffs. No, I don't want to make the playoffs, you make the playoffs. And somehow Blake Griffin was able to will this team into the playoffs. I think the game, he did a horrible job as the GM there. I don't really care about that because he's not in charge of player development anymore. I think that he did a good job back when he was with the Magic when he had real defensive game plans and stuff. Look, the Pelicans played no defense last year. But I don't think bringing an old fart like Stan Van Gundy is going to fix everything for you. I personally think the game's passed him by. I think this is a horrible decision. I think they'll be looking for a new coach in two years. I would be willing to agree with you. Um, I am in on this hire simply because I think he's better than Alvin Gentry. I think Alvin Gentry was a bottom five NBA head coach last year and, and the years before. Um, I don't. I, I, I'm kind of in agreement with you. I hate to say this because I am a kind of defensive, old old school kind of NBA guy, but I do think the game maybe has passed him by a little bit, and it, it takes a, a the fit with the right team to kind of let guys not get overrun with Van Gundy's attitude and his shtick. Um, the Pelicans definitely can be that team, but do I think this is going to work long term? No. See, I'm, I I like the fact that you're that you're more the old defensive guy. I think more the way to do it is have someone who's really good at setting up offensive game plans to take advantage of mismatches. You know what I mean, and get your and basically use your best player's talent to their advantages. But I also think that you have to be a good motivator because at the end of the day, pretty much all these guys can play hard and play defense. If you're the one who motivates them to play hard defense, I mean, look at the Suns, man. They got motivated to play hard defense inside the bubble, and they completely changed everything. I mean, the Suns didn't give a shit on defense in the regular season. They looked like two different teams in the bubble. They had a different intensity about them. If you can draw that intensity out of the players and get them to play with each other, I think that can go a longer way than being a great defensive head coach because, I mean, all these guys are so talented, you know what I mean? If you can get them to want to buy in and play hard that's what it's all about in my opinion i don't think van gundy's gonna be able to do that here I th- i'm out on this one 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 another thing that kind of goes against van gundy and and, and kind of proves your point is that a lot of players have come out and said that van gundy was a fraud he's a master of panic he wasn't good at coaching in the playoffs and he kind of lost side 
with a lot of players like Shaq and all that. And then this new way of NBA where the players are truly in charge and the coach is just there to play chess. I think that can happen very easily. You can lose your locker room very easily. And if anyone's going to lose a locker room, it'll be Tom Thibodeau or Stan Van Gundy. Yeah, you remember that one time, too, when he was in Orlando and he was talking shit about Dwight Howard in, like, an interview, and then Dwight Howard came put his arm around him mid-interview and didn't even realize that was what was happening? Like, I mean, that's what I'll always remember about Stan Van Gundy right there. I'm not a fan here. Um, next up here is the Indiana Pacers, who fired Nate McMillan, and they brought in Nate... But I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. I don't want to mispronounce it, but he was the assistant head coach to Nick Nurse in Toronto. And he's also the the um, head coach of their G League affiliate who did win a championship when they were there. I'll start off with this one. I honestly love this hire. Look, if most of y'all who listen to me talk about basketball, y'all know I'm a huge Nick Nurse fan. I think he's one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the entire NBA. Um, I personally think this guy brings what you need. I mean, he's young. He's proven that he kind of has a system and he can get guys to buy it and win. I mean, in the G League, nobody plays defense. So if you can win the G League championship, that proves you can get guys to buy into what you're doing and that you're a good motivator. He's learned under the best guy in the league. I also think that, look, Nate McMillan was more of a defensive head coach. I don't think these defensive head coaches work out. You need somebody who can take advantage of your offensive players. I think this guy can come in here and do not only do a great job with offense, but throw good defensive looks too and be a crack crafty coach as the game goes on kind of like nurse has who we learned under you know like nurse made so many good halftime adjustments or you know adjustments at some point in the game in those celtics games like those games would be a tale of two halves you know like one of the coaches would out adjust the other one and i feel like he's learned and seen it firsthand i think he can bring a lot of good stuff to the table here for this pacers team i think it's a home run hire and i think this might actually end up being the best hire out of all these coaches there's a lot of this kind of thing going on in the NBA and NFL today. Guys who have had a cup of coffee with a, with a good head coach like Nick Nurse, Sean McVay, Bill Belichick, all, the, all that kind of stuff. You really can't say what, what to expect out of Nate Bjorken, Bjorkgren because he, he hasn't had this power at this level yet. And it's really hard to for guys to really respect you day one whenever you haven't been an NBA head coach. Yeah, sure, he's been a championship-winning G League head coach. He's probably coached the summer league and probably done a few international coaching jobs. But I would like to see how, how the guys actually respond to him. The Pacers are a good spot to be in because they're usually known for hard-nosed defense, not being really too superstar reliant and being a good organization to play and coach for. So I would say that I do like this hire, but to crown him as a home run yet just isn't, isn't correct. Hey, you know, Cohen, they call it hot takes with CP3 for a reason. That's my <laughs> hot take right there. Look, oh this, this guy, if you go look at his coaching background too, like, I mean, he's coach, coaching the Cactus Shadow. That's a high school team. Then he goes to the Iowa Energy I mean, the Dakota Wizards, the Santa Cruz Warriors. Like, I mean, this guy's been coaching since 2004, and now in 2020, he's an NBA head coach. I mean, this guy is – this is the mold I want for a coach and for a team like the Pacers. I mean, a lot of these guys on the Pacers teams are guys who were slept on and were never really recognized as being the player they should have when they came to the league. He has the exact same mentality. He didn't get to where he's at by just being a good coach. He got to it because he coached with a chip on his shoulder, and he wanted to prove himself to everyone and prove that he's worthy of being at this level and that level of being a coach. Coach. I think that this that this is a team you can learn from their head coach and pick up on that mentality. I think that's the kind of mentality you need. Is you know if when you, I mean you look at it across the board, it's the guys who work their ass off and crawl and scratch to get to that spot. It's not the guys who are handed everything throughout their career, with the exception of LeBron James, that end up being the successful ones that win stuff. 
Look, I will say this. Um, reading his page right now, as you kind of went on your spiel, he's been with Nick Nurse forever. Um, since, like, 08, he's been with Nick Nurse. And I really don't like guys who've kind of rode the coattail of other head coaches in the league. Not saying that that, that, that Nate Bjorkren has, has, has done that. But whenever you have removed him from, from Nick Nurse, whenever Nick Nurse goes to the big level and he stays at the, at the lower level, there have been some pretty bad records, like 20, 29-21, 19-31, 0-3 start to a season. This guy hasn't been roses everywhere he's went. I'm I'm sure it's a good hire. Let's not crown him a home run yet. Hey, look at it this way, Cohen. A year from now, two years from now, next time we record this podcast, you might be able to say I was right and you were wrong. I might be able to say I was wrong. I was right and you were wrong. So, I mean, yep. hey, I, I like it, honestly, that we're going head-to-head on one. I think that's the first one we disagreed on so far. Yep. Up next is the L.A. Clippers. Doc Rivers is out as their head coach. In is Tyron Lue. What do you think about this one? <sighs> this is probably too easy of a response. But I think guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George were consulted on this and were told 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 the front office and management to bring in a guy that they could kind of boss around, a guy that wouldn't cramp their style and a guy who wouldn't run them too hard and wouldn't mind sitting one or two of them on a back-to-back or kind of give them a day off here and there. Doc Rivers was probably a little bit too hard-nosed, and I can't believe I'm having to say this about Doc Rivers. For for a guy like Kawhi Leonard, whose who's MO in the NBA now is to take it easy and win an easy chip if he can, if not, whatever, here, here it is. I think we've seen kind of some of the lackluster side of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. There's been some internal drama. There's been some of this and some of that. There was a post on Reddit the other day that, that said, oh, well, let's not be too quick to, to rule out Ty Lue as a good head coach. Look at some of these switches that he made. Look at some of these in-game adjustments. Da, 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 da. I just don't buy it. I, th- I think Ty Lue is, is, is a player coach, and that's all he is. I think he's a good stabilizer for an organization that has a lot of good players because he can mold personalities, or not mold personalities, but he, because he can take personalities and he can kind of work with them, and, and he's not going to be the asshole. He's not going to be the bad guy. And I think exact, that this is exactly what this hire was, a guy who's not going to be the asshole, a guy who, who's not going to be the bad guy, a guy who can coach with superstar players and not step on their personality. And if that's the criteria, then yeah, I guess you could say it was a good hire. But I, but but me personally, I hate this hire. So look, I agree with a lot of the things you said there, Cohen. I think that let's put it this way: I don't think Ty Lue's necessarily a horrible coach. I think Ty Lue's the right coach in with like a player who's a leader. Like if he was coaching with a Chris Paul, Damian Lillard, LeBron James, you know, like somebody like that, I really think that. It's a good hire, you know what I mean, if he's coaching with a guy like that. If he's coaching, though, in this situation here with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, I don't think he's the right hire. And my reason being here is, look, Kawhi Leonard is quiet. Kawhi Leonard takes off games. What kind of leader takes off games because they're load management and bullshit like that? No leader does that. Leaders go out and battle with their team every single night. Paul George proved that he's a, that he fades in big moments once again in the playoffs when he's pandemic P. I mean, they blew a 3-1 lead. I mean, Patrick Beverly might honestly be their team leader, which is the saddest part about all of it. Kawhi Leonard is not a leader. They don't have that guy on their roster. I think personally think the Clippers won't win a championship hot take Kawhi Leonard will not play on the Clippers team next year he'll be somewhere else because he can't win a championship Kawhi Leonard was never the leader on the Raptors the leader of that locker room was Nick Nurse and Kyle Lowry Kawhi Leonard was just showing up there going out there and playing hard 
Um, I, I'm completely out on it. I think I don't look. I don't think it, it's not a knock against Ty Lue. I personally think he's a decent coach. Like I said, in those certain situations, this is not a situation set up right for Ty Lue. Yeah, the their their bed isn't made enough for Ty Lue to enjoy immediate success here. Uh, they have some really great players, some good young players, but I don't think they have all their holes plugged in just yet. I would have rather seen Doc Rivers in this role. I don't see why Doc Rivers was let go of. Uh, we'll get to talk, talking about him in a minute whenever we talk about his next destination, but I would have much rather kept Doc Rivers than, than Tyron Lue. I think it was a good thing to kind of let Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Zubach and all them kind of get their days off here and there with 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 Ty Lue. And I think Ty Lue was a great coach with LeBron because LeBron was the head coach. Ty Lue was just the guy who who called time out at the right time. But for the Clippers, I, I think this is a horrible hire. I don't think Ty Lue is a horrible head coach, but I don't think he does anything enough to elevate a good team to be better. I just think he is a good personality kind of herder. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you on that one. I don't necessarily think it's to be Ty Lue's fault. I think it's more so on um other on other teams. Um, breaking news right now: the Rockets have hired Steven Silas as their head coach. Um, I honestly don't really know much about him. I would need to do more research before we can talk about him a little bit more. He was an assistant with the Mavericks last year. He's been an assistant with the Hornets, the Bobcats, the Warriors. I'll just say this: I'm not really a fan of hiring a new head coach when you don't have a GM yet, which is what the Rockets did right here. The Rockets do have a GM though. Oh I, wait, who do they hire as a new GM? Raphael Stone. He was a he was an assistant on in the front office. Um, I think for a few years. Let's see. Houston's new GM is Raphael Stone. He becomes the tenth current black executive to hold that title in the NBA. Most recently, Stone was an executive vice president of basketball operations, effectively making him Maury's top lieutenant with the Rockets last season. Eli Whitus, who was previously the assistant GM, mm-hmm. we will be promoted into Stone's prior role, who which will be the executive vice president of basketball operations. Mm-hmm. Um, he will be so. Eli Whitus will be the number two man in basketball operations, and now Raphael Stone is number is number one. This article was released on October the fifteenth, which was about two weeks ago. Okay, um, I'll say this then: I still don't know much about Silas, so I'm going to hold my official opinions on it. But I will say this though: I know f- I was reading before anything happened that Harden was um, helped. So Harden Mori. Most of y'all probably already know this. They worked very well together. Like I feel like that Maury understood Harden as well as Harden understands him and got to get players around him to help him be the best version of himself. And they were both, I mean, they got along very well. So I feel like that when you look at it this way, that they pretty much, so I read that they were using Harden in the process of hiring the GM and coach. Like he was one of the main people they're consulting. So I assume Harden got the people he liked, which is a good thing. Sure. We'll we'll talk more about the Rockets whenever we uh, get done with Doc Rivers. Fair enough. Um, speaking of Doc Rivers, Brett Brown is out in Philadelphia. Doc Rivers is in. I'm going to start off on this one. I am so out on Doc Rivers as a head coach. I've never seen anyone handed more talent in my entire life as a coach and done nothing with it. Yeah, he won one championship in Boston. Shit, I could have won a championship in Boston with the roster he was given. He had three Hall of Famers on there. I mean, he had all kinds of good talent on there. Those teams were loaded up. I mean, you had Nate Robinson, Big Baby Davis when they were still serviceable, James Posey, Mikel Petras, Jason Terry. I can keep going on and on. You were handed all the perfect role players to go along with the Stars. I mean, Doc Rivers was handed so many chances, so many opportunities to be successful with this team. I mean, he couldn't even make it out of the East past the freaking magic. 
That's the magic. I mean, LeBron broke his team up and sent Doc Rivers packing for for the Clippers, where he blew two three-one leads. I mean, he's handed. I mean, blowing the three-one lead as much as you want to blame it on anyone, that goes a hundred and fifty percent on Doc Rivers. That was a hundred percent his fault. All his fault all season long, the way the Clippers played. I mean, he let people run amok in the locker room. You had Montrez Harrell and Paul George getting into it with each other. I just don't think Doc Rivers ever had control of anything going off the Clippers. Yeah, cool. He's Doc Rivers. He was a good player in the NBA. His son's decent at basketball. He didn't have jack shit going for him besides the name. I am so out on this Doc Rivers hire. I think it is awful. I just think it's another. I think it just makes the 76ers more of a shit show than it already is. I, I mean, I'm, I'm so far out on this. It's unbelievable. I have a special place in my heart for Doc Rivers because he did save uh, the Clippers whenever I was a Clippers fan from the Vinny Del Negro era, and he did make the team extremely relevant, though he never won a title or even made it past the second round with what I consider to be the most talented roster in the NBA start to bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can hold a little bit of, the, of that against Doc Rivers, and it is heartbreaking for me that he didn't win then or Doc now. Rivers. Um. I will say, though, just like I feel about the Houston Rockets, the Philadelphia 76ers roster is cursed. They have too much tied up into players that will not get them over the hump. I don't think that it matters who the head coach is. I think Brett Brown was an absolutely awful head coach, um, but I do think this is an upgrade over Brett Brown. I just don't think it'll be enough to do anything meaningful. The East is so easy to make the playoffs and make it to the second round and pass the second round in the playoffs. Dockers will do that. But I don't think that he'll make it anywhere close to an NBA title. Um, I think this is an upgrade over Brett Brown, like I said. But an upgrade over Brett Brown is just like spraying shit with Lysol. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head right there, Cohen, about how about how it's an upgrade over Brett Brown. Me or you coaching the team would be an upgrade over Brett Brown. I mean, no one had yep. any respect for him. You saw even in that Celtics series, I thought that was the most perfect example of the Celtics series. They were up by like 25 points in the first quarter one game or like 20 points in the first quarter. By halftime, they were losing by double digits. I mean, that's just straight up no motivation whatsoever right there. Brett Brown couldn't motivate that team at all. I mean, I think Doc Rivers is a horrible coach. I don't think he's going to do anything to help out here and make things better. Look, if you if you need motivation to play in the playoffs, you're a fucking bum. So I think Joel Embiid is a bum, and Ben Simmons is a bum. They're Joel they're Embiid's really fat good and out of shape, is what he is. They're they're really good players in their own right, but as a team, I I, I think that roster is cursed. I, I I don't think that they're they should even make the playoffs in the East, which is a curse. But I will say Doc Rivers in a vacuum is an upgrade over Brett Brown. It's not saying much, but I don't. I think this team's roster I hate to death, um, mm-hmm. but Doc Rivers is an upgrade over Brett Brown. That's how I feel about the hire. Hey, that's fair. Fair enough right there. Also, too, they brought in Daryl Morey as their new GM of this team. You think Daryl Morey can fix something with this roster at least, or you think he's just going to have as much trouble as the past GM did? On the surface, okay, I'll put it to you this way. If he keeps this roster together with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, both both on the roster at the same time, uh, no, there's no shot in hell. But mm-hmm. if he does what I think he's going to do, because on the surface he tends to like these small 3 and D players like Robert Covington, James Harden, yada, yada, yada. If he wants to bring in a few of those guys, I think there is hope if he ships off Ben Simmons, motivates Joel Embiid, which he shouldn't have to, but I guess now in today's NBA, you have to motivate guys to get up to play in the fucking playoffs, which is a disgrace. But if he can bring in a few good players, ship off Ben Simmons, and kind of restart this roster with a, with a, with a minor rebuild, 
yes, I do think there is hope because the 76ers play in the Eastern Conference. And how easy is it to win in the Eastern Conference? Who was the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference last year? Uh, what do you mean, like this last season? Exactly. The exactly. Exactly. My point exactly. I think there is hope for any team in the East that can rebuild on a short dime. Um, the 76ers, though, as it stands right now, have an extremely cursed roster, and this roster is making it nowhere. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you on there. I think that, look, if we've learned anything about Daryl Morey, he's willing to go out and make blockbuster trades. We saw him do it twice with Chris, one to acquire Chris Paul and one to acquire um, Russell Westbrook. I think he's the guy with the balls to go out there and do it. By the way, you remember when that I told you that the, the 76ers signing Al Horford had to be the worst signing I've ever seen in my entire life? Like, like literally, that was the worst signing, I think, in the history of the entire NBA. Like, I think that was literally the, hey, we have all this cap space. Al Horford's the best available pretty agent. Let's go sign him. How did they ever think that Ben Simmons, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid would be able to play together? The only team that lineup even works against is the Bucks. so I'll give them a little bit of credit there because it did work against the Bucks. but that's literally it. I mean, that is the worst. The same people who tried to, who tried to make Ben Simmons a starting point guard in today's NBA. Yeah, like the only way you can do that is if Ben Simmons is playing like the four or the five for you on off or on defense on the other end. Um, yeah, you know, I'm I think that Maury will be able to somewhat salvage things with this roster, but at the end of the day, like you said, unless Joel Embiid wants to stop eating fried chicken and get his ass in shape, it's not going to work. I mean, Joel Embiid would go out and set. I didn't see him set a screen and cut hard to the basket a single freaking time in the in the bubble. Like, not once. And look, he was just setting screens and sitting out on the perimeter jacking up threes. There was one game where he had zero rebounds three quarters into the game. How the hell are you seven feet tall and you don't have a single rebound when you played over 20 minutes th- through three quarters of a basketball game? Like, honestly, he deserved to get kicked in the nuts when he got back over the bench for that effort. Let's not act like the Daryl Morey left the um, Houston Rockets in the best situation either. Uh, they currently have zero centers that play on the roster, and I don't think they're in a better spot than when James Harden arrived in Houston. I think the trade for Russell Westbrook was kind of short-sighted and dumb. Um, like you said, he is a guy who's willing to go out there and make some moves, blockbuster or not. He's a guy who's willing to shake it up, and I do think that's that's what Philadelphia needs is, is, is to have the roster shaken up. But Let's not act like he hasn't squandered away good teams before. Well, my personal opinion, though, of what happened in Houston is it was more of a James Harden doesn't like Chris Paul. Maury really liked Chris Paul, thought he was the guy there to help get everything going. I think it was more of a, look, Harden doesn't want Chris Paul here. I have to keep Harden happy. What do you want, James? You want Russell Westbrook? I personally don't think it's going to work. You're the star player. My job is to keep you happy. Therefore, I will do what you want me to do. That's not he, his job, though. His, the, his job is to put the most competitive roster that he can on the court. It doesn't matter what James Harden Yeah, but wants. you can't have James Harden and Chris Paul back out there together. They hate each other. They both don't want to play with each other. I mean, that was pretty much what he had to do in order to do something. I mean, that was pretty much the only team that would even trade for Chris Paul. They had no trade offers except for that. I mean, Chris Paul had been injured and banged up. Nobody wanted to touch him with a 10-foot pole before that. Before this last season. Now, all of a sudden, he's the hot commodity again. But I personally think that once that he had that roster, him making those trades and getting rid of all the centers was him trying to make the most out of what he had and give the team the best chance they had to win by getting that small ball lineup. So I personally think he just said, look, I'm going to do what I can here. My hands are t- untied with it. Once we don't win the championship, that's what happened. And he said, screw this. I'm moving on somewhere else where I can do what I want to again. 
and I think it was the correct decision for him to do that because Same. that small ball shit was just not going to work. And we, mm-hmm. you, you knew it was not going to work. And when you knew it worked for the first week, but I mean, he puts you in a worse spot now than you were before. Yeah. Hey, I'm right there with you on that one, Cohen. It was a tor- horrible spot completely for Houston. Everything. Um, let's kind of go back to the Rockets once again, because this was one of my main topics I wanted well, to get on. Well, 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 we got one more team to talk about the, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, who are currently without a head coach. My personal opinion is that it's going to be John Lucas as the next head coach. It was between him and Steven Silas for the Rockets uh, Mm -hmm. job. But um, now that Stan Van Gundy was hired to the Pelicans, because Stan Van Gundy was in was, was in that conversation too. I know Brian Windhorst said that it was never going to go to Stan Van Gundy, um, but it was between John Lucas and Steven Silas. Um, I think that John Lucas will be the next head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. I don't think they have any other choice but to hire him. Um, he's been a coach for a long time, an assistant with a long time, uh, with a lot of with a lot of places he's been in Atlanta, San Antonio, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Denver. He's been a player development guy for the Rockets for a long time. Mm-hmm. I thought that maybe he had the upper hand uh, on Steven Silas because he was actually with the organization. Hell, uh, John Lucas was even with the the, the NFL and, and the Raiders to um, to draft Jamarcus Russell in, in, in 2010. So he's a guy who's really well-versed in all kinds of sports, and he's a guy who's been around the NBA for a long time. I think he will end up being the next head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, To be honest with you, I haven't given a ton of thought as to the specific person, but I like that hire, Cohen, just because I think the way the where the Thunder headed, if you go ahead and trade off Chris Paul, they're obviously not going to bring back Gallinari. I think you got to go with a player development guy, kind of like what the Hawks did with Budenholzer. I see the similarities with them letting Donovan go. You know, the team wanted to go in one direction. The head coach wants to go in another. You know, the head coach doesn't want to go through the tanking. When you go through tanking, or not even tanking, but when you go through a rebuild, you need a guy who's good at player development. John Lucas literally has his own basketball academy for developing young talent. I personally think it's a good decision to bring in a guy who's going to develop these players. And then once you get to win now, if he's not making the right adjustments in-game, that's when you get him out of there because he's already developed all the players for you. You could say that he's he has enjoyed his more success on the player development side of things rather than the head coaching side of things. Mm-hmm. Hasn't been a head coach since 03. Um, he, he has a pretty lukewarm record of 173 and 258, which is good for about a 402 win percentage. But – I like the hire, especially because like what you said on the player development side of things and because you do kind of need that guy to get some of these young players playing well. And you already have Chris Paul, who, if you don't trade, can be your, your general on the floor. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, it's the same thing kind of with the Hawks. You know, like I love the Lloyd Pierce signing when we were rebuilding. I want to see what Lloyd Pierce can do this year when we actually try to be competitive. You know, if he's he not doing a good job making the team competitive, which I'm agreeing with you, I don't think he will. I think it's going to be time to move on and bring someone new in there. But that's what you have to do, man, when you first start off the rebuild is you bring in the co- the coach to develop everybody, and then that's when you bring in the guy who's actually going to run the team and take you to the next level. So I think the Thunder are making the right decision here. They have so many draft picks. They have SGA. So, I mean, they got Am Dort, so they got young guys to build around and everything. Um, like I said earlier, I want to move back to talking about the Rockets here. Um, I mean, now that Daryl Moore is out here in Houston, I mean, what do you think is the next move for Houston? 
Well, there is no next move for Houston because they have their head coach, Steven Silas, who is the son of a longtime NBA coach, Paul Silas. Um, he was once the youngest ever assistant in NBA basketball at age 27 who worked for his father with the, I want to say, Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, he is an Ivy League-educated basketball player, went to Brown University. He was an assistant with the Hornets, Cavs, Wizards, Warriors, all with his father. Most recently, he was an assistant with the Mavs. He does have some NBA coaching experience, experience whenever Steve Clifford was, was ill for about a month and a half, and he was the acting head coach, but it wasn't that way on paper. And as the um, head coach of of some summer league teams. Um, I think one of his most impressive roles, though, in terms of how he kind of handles these relationships with players and some of these personalities like guys with James Harden and, and Russell Westbrook and, and some of the other free agents that the Houston Rockets are going to get because the roster is going to need to be turned over. Um, he was actually the assistant director, the number three man in charge of the NBA Retired Players Association. So I think that he is one of the right guys to kind of bring in. He was my choice because I had his name written down for when me and you were going to talk about who should be the next head coach of, of, of the Houston Rockets. To me, it was between him and John Lucas. Um, I think that Steven Silas comes from a long line of good NBA coaches like his dad, Paul Silas. I really think that this is the right move especially as an Ivy League educated guy, someone who's been an assistant with tons of different teams, some with his dad, some not. So I do think that this was the absolute correct hire for the Houston Rockets. This guy's worked closely with LeBron James. He's worked closely with guys like Steve Clifford, his dad, Paul Silas, guys like Don Nelson, who's a Hall of Fame GM and coach. So I do think this was the 100% correct hire. I'm going to parrot what I said earlier. We can't call it a home run yet because I've never seen this guy coaching an NBA game. Um, but he's been a longtime NBA head, and he's been a longtime guy who's been around locker rooms and been around different head coaches, different players, different systems. I do think, personally, this was the right hire, but let's hold off on saying it was a home run just yet. Yeah, um, you know, for the Rockets, I think they have a lot of questions. Like, are you going to keep around Russell Westbrook long-term? Um are you going to stick with this small ball kind of style of playing? Or do you want to go back to more traditional? I think there's a lot of questions for the Rockets to answer here. Um, I'll ultimately, uh, the one thing that worries me about this Rockets team and their roster is, you know, every single team in the league, no matter who they are, even like the Celtics, or I mean, honestly, the teams that build the best, like the Celtics, for example, they still have young guys on their roster that they're trying to develop while they're making playoff pushes. You know what I mean? Like they have these young guys that they're trying to get to be better players and stuff. The Rockets... I mean, do you see any one player on the roster that you could say the Rockets are developing right now to help them win in the future? No. The, 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 the only person that I could say that even a little bit about was um, the development from three for a guy like Gerald Green or something. You know, like – I would say Daniel House. P.J. Tucker, you know, how, how, how the Houston Rockets actively – made him develop a, a, a three ball and then kind of got him into the game more. That was the only player that I thought that I could actually see that from. Yeah. See, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like they're not developing any like young rookie player to become like their next guy. You know what I mean? Like they don't have that on their roster. That's something that really scares me. I think they need to do something to fix that. I think that they need to get rid of Russell Westbrook. And I think that they need to figure out if they want to play this small ball or if they want to play a bigger lineup. So I personally think there's a lot of questions. My answer to that would be get Russell Westbrook the hell on out of there. Try to get – I mean, shoot, I think personally the best trade would be send him to the Magic and get Aaron Gordon and get a draft pick and get that draft first-round pick for him. I mean, I don't see why the Magic would not do that. 
They already have tons of big men on that roster. I mean, it makes it makes too much sense to me, honestly, in the contracts, everything would check out. I personally just think the Rockets need to get cap space and everything and try to do something with it. They haven't had any cap space or draft picks for so long. I think they need to switch up and make some moves to do something or other like that. I know Harden obviously doesn't want to rebuild, but you have to kind of put your team in a good win-now situation as well as bring in somebody young that you can develop alongside Harden. Yeah, I think the roster as it stands right now is almost beyond repair. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Russell Westbrook at all and what he does for your team. It's too much extracurricular stuff on, on the back of what's what's going on with a guy like James Harden. Um, I don't think that, that the whole small ball thing either works. It was a cool idea for the first week before everybody had kind of tape on it and, and, and could actually, you know, kind of game plan for it. But... I would be willing to say that the Rockets are going to need to do everything short of, you know, kind of blowing it up outside of, you know, five, six players that you can kind of keep on the roster, get some new guys in there. James Harden may be becoming complacent in this system to where he has to carry the team night in and night out. You need to get away from that and you need to kind of show that, hey, we can put a team behind you because if not, James Harden could easily become complacent or just leave. Yeah, to be honest with you, if I'm James Harden, I'd try to go on and get up out of there. I would not stick around any longer in Houston. I'm I'm kind of in agreement with you that the roster is in an irreplaceable spot right now. Or it is. On... It, it, it totally is. Mm-hmm. And see, my thing too with going small ball is if you want to go play small ball, you have to have one of these guys who's like a freak, like a Towns, Porzingis, Giannis. You know what I mean? Like you need one of these guys who can play like the four but can get tons of rebounds, can block shots can hit the three ball. You know what I mean? Like, see, they're doing it with Russell Westbrook kind of as their freak guy. I don't think he's the right guy to make a small ball team around. I think it's more one of those guys that I listed right there that's like your point center power forward kind of guy that can drain threes. So that's why I personally think the best move is you ship Gordon and Westbrook to to the Magic. In return, you get Terrence Ross, you get Aaron Gordon, and you get a first-round pick. I think that's your – I mean, yeah, obviously you kind of lose that trade, but at the same time you get a little cap flexibility, you get a little bit younger, and you get a first-round pick to bring in somebody to develop. You know what I mean? Like I feel like – and you can honestly even use some money to go out and get a free agent. Like I feel like something like that is what Houston needs to do, but they got to shake this roster up one way or another. I mean, I agree with you, Cohen. This team's in a horrible spot right now, and they're pretty screwed the way things look. I mean, James Harden's good enough to still get you the play. I actually – I mean, if they don't shake this roster up, it might even be tough for them to get in the playoffs in the Western Conference. I mean, this Western Conference is stacked and has lots of young teams coming. Yeah, the Western Conference is 100% the toughest conference in, in, in almost any sport ever because whenever you have 14 good teams fighting for eight spots, you know? Mm-hmm. So, exactly. so so let me hit you with a, with a little bit of math. That's kind of what, I, what I've been doing here lately. Um during the time that Steven Silas was taking over for Steve Clifford as the head coach of the Hornets in 2017 to 2018, he had about a month and a half where he was the acting head coach when Steve Clifford was kind of ill. Um, in that stretch, he went 10 and 12, which is good for about a 46% win percentage, a 45.5% win percentage. That year, Steve Clifford as a whole went 36 and 46, which is about a 44% win percentage. So he was better in the month and a half that he had than Steve Clifford was all year. I think that's wow. a good sign for 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 the for the Houston Rockets. Um, whenever you had a team whose best player was you know Kimball Walker and um, 
I'm trying to figure out who else they had to see if there was anybody else that maybe elevated it. Um, Dwayne Bacon, Nick Batum, Michael Carter-Williams, Hernan Gomez, Dwight Howard, Kaminsky, Michael Kidd-Gildress, Jeremy Lamb, Malik Monk's first year, Johnny O'Brien's last year, um, Kimball Walker, Marvin Williams, Cody Zeller. So, yes. So, if I'm the Houston Rockets, I'm a little bit more excited than not to have a guy like Steven Silas who has shown that he can be an on-court, on you know, kind of strategist and a player development guy. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in complete agreement with you there, Cohen. You hit the nail on the head. I like how you did that math, too, and figured all that out for bam, us. Bam, bam, bam! You like it, don't you? You like oh, that! Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, I saw him going on in the background. That's why I was bringing up a little hypotheticals. I usually don't like to sit here and do hypotheticals and when we're, we're doing, like, yeah. a hypothetical podcast because, I mean, shoot, me and you could sit here and talk NBA hypotheticals for the next five hours right now if we wanted to. Yeah. But trust me, guys, if y'all want to hear me and Cohen talk about NBA hypotheticals, that podcast is coming soon. We're just waiting to get a little closer to the draft. We're waiting on to get the official free agency dates and everything. We'll know everything by Friday. Cohen, is there anything else you want to say or talk about before we get up out of here? We... Nope. Um, I do want to say thank you so much to the Gail and Larry Miller family um, who sold the Utah Jazz today to a, uh, a company that escapes the, the name of me. Um, the owner of the company who bought the team went to BYU. Um, he the, the company is, is based in Salt Lake City. So there's no chance of, uh, of the Jazz being moved. There's a trust that Gail Miller signed that said the Jazz have to be in Salt Lake City for the next X amount of years. And the board of directors for the Utah Jazz is Gail Miller and her family. So I do want to thank you for the 35 good years that you've given the um, the, the the city of Salt Lake and the state of Utah. You built one of the best arenas in all of basketball. You've had one of the best home court advantages and one of the most competitive teams year in and year out. The Utah Jazz don't tank. We don't get good draft picks. We win when we want to win. We try to win every single game. You've given us the third best head coach in NBA history in Jerry Sloan. You've given us the best NBA roster ever in history without an NBA title. So thank you for all the good times, Gail and Larry Miller, RIP to Larry Miller. Thank you for selling the jazz to, to someone who actually deserved it and um, ready for a new chapter. Hey, Cohen said it better than I can. I completely forgot about that. I should have brought that out to start things off just so you could uh, get, just so you could go ahead and get that one off your chest. But once again, Cohen, I appreciate you coming on here, man, talking about NBA with me. No worries, no worries. Everybody check me out at the Daily Degenerate Podcast. Me and Penland make a lot of picks about once a week. Um, I've been on Penland's ass lately, but I'm due for a lull here here, here soon. So be on the lookout for the lull where Penland takes me over. Uh, Daily Degenerate Podcast, Instagram, at TDDPod. Twitter's the same thing. Uh, look me up on Facebook, Cohen Hughes. The Daily Degenerate Podcast is a Facebook page as well. Check me and Penland both out on the Action Network where you can get all of our picks in real time. Um, just finished the the MLB season, I'm up like 1500 bucks um, on like a 64% MLB, you know, kind of full season total. So the NBA season or the, the MLB season was good to us hit last night on Dodgers money line. So check us out on action network. Um, that way you can get our picks in real time and see what our percentages are. Yep. He said it better than I can follow me on Twitter at TP three wins on Instagram, TP three bets. Appreciate everyone that tuned in and we'll talk to y'all again soon.